This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. A fun fact about a golf classic, a new alliance is born. And the last major of the season. That's all coming up on this edition of At The Turn. Hello, Nick. How are you today? I'm great, Joe. I have been shoveling massive amounts of snow out of my driveway all day. Gross. And uh, I just had my first hot chocolate and Bailey's. And I'm ready for a podcast. I just went for a, a jog. It is it is brisk, but it's 55 outside here in Portland. <laughs> Got here. I know. It's the worst. Um so our main topic today, obviously, is a preview of the final major of the year, the most important major on the circuit for the LPGA Tour, the U.S. Women's Open. We will get to that very soon. But Nick, earlier in the year, we did a golf movie fivesome. We reviewed Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore, a couple of other movies. Among those was Tin Cup. And the reason bring this up is i don't know if this happens to you probably happens to other golf folks out there i just get sent a copy of golf digest every single month without fail i don't pay for this thing i have no idea how it arrives usually i i thumb through it and kind of toss it because basically all this stuff i see on twitter and it's online anyway so a lot of it's redundant for some reason today this morning before we recorded the podcast i'm like let's let's just look through it and I look at the table of contents, and I see Jim Nance wants to recount his memories of filming Tin Cup. And for folks who have not listened to our Tin Cup golf movie fivesome, first of all, shame on you. Great episode where we reviewed the film from 1996 starring Kevin Costner and Cheech Marin, Don Johnson, Rene Russo. Your wife, Ashley, as you pointed out, every time they said the name Roy McAvoy, she paused the film to ask, did they say Rory McIlroy? Now, Nick, I'm going to read you the first, this is the first paragraph as written by Jim Nance, and I'm going to quote. Are you ready? I can't wait. Every time I mention Rory McIlroy on the air, there is a pause to make sure I don't accidentally say Roy McIlroy. Part of the genius of Tin Cup 
is that the sound-alike name of the lead character was an unknown six-year-old when the film went into production. How in the world did writers Ron Shelton and John Norville come so close to hitting on a name that would become legendary? Was right out of Hollywood, California, or Hollywood, Northern Ireland? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is That's so for you, Ash. Nance, that is so perfect. That's incredible. And you know what? I think that Golf Digest subscription is actually a gift from Ashley and me. <laughs> when we, like six years ago, we subscribed really? to Golf Digest, and we got a bonus subscription for somebody else. And it was, I think, right after you had moved to Oregon. And like, well, just throw Joe a copy. And ours has long since lapsed, but apparently you're still getting them. So that's great. And it's followed me to several addresses as well, which is the <laughs> best part. Can't so stop. Ashley, Ashley, it was worth it. Thank you so much. That one was for you. Um, Nick, before we get into the U.S. Women's Open, did you see the news about the PGA Tour and European Tour? I did. I did so, I yeah. I not quite know what to make of it. I don't want to go too deep into it, but just folks who are following golf at this point of the year are probably aware of this as well. There was an alliance that was announced between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So basically what happened was the commissioner of the PGA Tour is now a non-executive board member on the European Tour. So he has a say on where the European goes, European Tour goes sort of henceforth. And the European Tour, I believe, got some broadcast rights or there was some sort of um, – coming together on the broadcast side between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. So I think this is a move toward not necessarily combining the tours any time in the near future, though that would be awesome, but perhaps making it more accessible for the top players in the PGA Tour to play over in Europe, the top players in Europe to play over in the PGA Tour a lot more frequently. And I'm very excited about this because as someone who has watched the European Tour really a lot of the last 15 years, it is a lot more pleasing watch a lot of ways than the PGA Tour. I mean, the European Tour, they play more exotic courses, I would say. Like, it's so great to wake up five in the morning in December. This happened just the other week. Flip on a channel, and I was watching the Cyprus Open, right, being played just off of Greece. And it looks like a normal golf course until they do like kind of the overhead drone shot. And you realize the freaking Mediterranean is just in the distance everywhere. But it's just so, so much more pleasing aesthetically. The broadcast is a little tighter. The camera angles are a little more dynamic. It's a lot more fun to watch European golf than PGA Tour golf, except for the majors. And if you can get the bigger names in the PGA Tour over to Europe a lot more easily. And the top Euro players who don't come to America more often. Mm -hmm. I think it's a win both ways. So I just think it's I just think it's good news. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, well, there was a couple couple takeaways I had. They were very careful to say it's it's not a merger. It's right. it's not the beginning of a merger. That's it's a partnership. Um, so I don't really know what to read into that. Um, and, and I think the main point of this was to kill the Premier Golf League, which was the the budding rivalry league that was going to supposedly overtake these tours. They had. Unlimited amounts of money, and they were just trying to get a, a few key players to sign on. I'm sure Phil was interested in some of that money. Um, so this was this was kind of an attempt to just just kind of squash that before it uh, gets too big. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not expecting to see too many changes in my living room, um, but I, I'm sure there'll be some kind of more behind the scenes stuff that they're just kind of combining forces. I hope at the end of the day, it just makes kind of a run of the mill event 
in August on the PGA Tour more exciting because we're so desensitized to how golf is filmed and how it's presented to us. Like, it's fine. What CBS and NBC does is fine. But weren't you... I mean, most of our Masters podcast, not most of it, but part of it at least, was the television component and the streaming service and how ESPN Plus did a good job, the Masters website, a lot of those features that aren't coming to TV as quick as they probably should be. And on the European tour side, I feel like those sort of things are already happening. They experiment, they experiment more with the formats. Like they had that crazy event a couple of years ago where they played like a six-hole match. And the, the sixes. Golf the sixes. sixes. Yeah, they're not, yeah. Doing any, they're not doing anything like that on the PGA Tour. So I just think the risk-taking and a lot more of the fun of the European Tour, I hope a lot of that gets brought over to the PGA Tour. Maybe this is a big nothing burger and it is just a business move. I hope it's not that. We shall see. I, I'm not getting my hopes up too much for, for too <laughs> no. much change. It's actually going to impact uh, our viewing experience, but you never know. Uh, should we talk some ladies golf, Joe? We got a major, Nick. Let's We're go. Here for a December major. How do you how do you like it being December fifth on your calendar and looking forward to a major? I can't wait. It's perfect timing. Um, it's before the NBA season, which makes me excited because I'm gonna have my head buried in Portland Trailblazers for a while. But before that happens, I get another major. I get a cool venue. I don't know much about. Nick's gonna educate us on that in a little bit, and I get to watch the top players in the sport do their thing. I'm I'm very excited. This is going to be a good time. Yeah. So we'll just get right into the course. The uh, the U.S. Women's Open is December 10th through 13th in Houston, Texas. And because of the timing, um, we're approaching almost the shortest day of the year is within here. So the first two rounds, Joe, um, it's at Champions Golf Club. The first two rounds are at alternating courses. So you've got the Jackrabbit in the Cy- Cypress Creek courses. So they'll they'll play each of those the first two rounds after the cut. They will play the weekend at the Cypress Creek course, which is 6,731 yards. And a few uh, championships that have been played at Champions Golf Club in history. I'm just going to run through a few. The 1967 Ryder Cup, won by Team USA. Of course. Uh, the 1969 U.S. Open, Orville Moody. I did not know that off the top of my head. Yeah, that guy wore um, cool hats. Google that guy. <laughs> couple uh, Southern Amateur Championships in 1973. Ben Crenshaw in 1980. Bob Tway getting some W's as amateurs there. And four Tour Championships in the late 90s, early 2000s. 97, David Duvall. 99, Tiger Woods won a Tour Championship there. 2001, Mike Weir. And 2003, Chad Campbell. Those are the... Most relevant championships to take place at Champions Golf Club. And you were with me. All those champions, that was a great list until you got to Chad Campbell. I was like, oh, major winners, major winners. This is fantastic. Multiple PGA. Then Chad Campbell. Damn it. That's still impressive, though. Yeah, very, very. So, okay, in Houston, 6,700 yards, couple of courses. It's it, it makes sense why they're rotating courses. You just never see that in a major, right? I mean, I can't think of another major where I've ever seen that before. But – 2020, a year unlike any other, Nick. Which is awesome. I love that people are willing to just throw all tradition out the window and say, well, it's 2020, we have to do it. You know, it's like, how would you be doing things if there was no, if you were starting from scratch today? You know, maybe this is kind of cool. Players are going to have to prepare for two different courses, which will be a different dynamic. I think that might 
favor some of the veteran players a little bit more. Some of the majors earlier this year on the LPGA have been won by first-time winners, kind of lower-ranked players in the world, because a lot of the a lot of the higher-ranked players weren't competing yet. They hadn't come back over to the states. Uh, the COVID had really affected that. So maybe this will be a chance for some of those more. pair for all 36 of those holes yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting to see um that's a good point nick because i was doing some of my research i was surprised how few events some of the top players in the world have played since the restart so perhaps this is an opportunity for someone lower down in the world rankings to ascend grab a major and get some momentum going into 21 something i'm always interested in going into majors the money how much money someone is going to win. So Jay Monahan used to be the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. I'm not putting this all on him because he did really good for that tour, good enough that he got the PGA Tour commissioner spot. But I'm always interested in the difference between pay in professional sports, right? So made a big deal about this was the largest purse in women's golf history, $5.5 million the winner's share, a cool million dollars. You think, great, this is progress. The pay gap is shrinking. Well, let me tell you what happened in September at the Men's U.S. Open. That purse was $12.5 million. Bryson DeChambeau, your winner, took home $2.25 million. Matthew Wolf finished second. Not a bad week for him taking home $1.35 million. So the second place in the Men's U.S. Open, still making $350,000 more than the winner of the Women's U.S. Open. And Nick, you know, I think a lot of it, and I'll give Lacey some credit because we were talking about this, a lot of it is top-down, right? Like, tennis, I think, is the best comparison to golf because it's an individual sport, Um and I just think it's the best comparison to golf from sort of a uh, sort of a macro popularity, right? It's popular in the same way. Tennis has its own channel. Golf has its own channel. They're the diehards, but also the casuals come in for the big events, right? Like Wimbledon is viewed by a casual sports fan. Um, Lace made the good point where, you know, a lot of it is marketing, Right. The WNBA has had this big surge in the last three, four years because it's not being marketed as a novelty. It's being marketed as these are the best players in the world. In tennis, I was surprised to see, at least for the U.S. Open, the pay is equal. There is no gap. The winner of the men's U.S. Open won $3 million. The winner of the women's U.S. Open won $3 million. There is no pay gap there. And I was surprised Maybe not surprised, more disappointed that the gap wasn't closer in golf. No, that's a good point. And I'm not, I guess, to go to the gap, I'm not necessarily as concerned about the gap as I am glad that these women's purses are on the rise, that that the winner is getting a million dollars. I think that's great. Um, I think it's fair-ish to compare the two, but not necessarily 100% fair uh, to compare them. On the tennis side, that is surprising. I'm wondering if they just kind of tie all their sponsorships into the U.S. Open. It's one event, and they divvy it up equally, whereas the USGA, it's not one event. It's two different events. This money is coming from from partnerships and, and 
the, the sponsors are valuing the men more than the women. That's just the way that it shakes out. Um, if it were to be one event, and if I'm I'm not deep in the tennis scene, Joe, but I'm pretty sure the tennis U.S. Open is one event. Men's and women's, they all go to Correct. the same place. Probably Correct. all the broadcasts are the same, same contracts. So I'm guessing that's kind of the reason there. I can't see the USGA ever doing that. Um, but that's the reason. I, I, I guess more than anything, more than the comparison, I, I, I think it's great that the, the winner is going to have a seven-figure check. And frankly, not to get into tennis too deep, but on the women's side, you know, at least in somewhat recent history, Americans are more successful in the women's game than they have been in the men's game. I mean, there hasn't been a great men's champion really this entire century. I mean, since Sampras and Agassi, there hasn't been a great U.S. player. You know, it's been Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic. And on the women's side, you have Serena winning, 20, winning 25 singles majors. So, you know, she has really probably her, a lot of it was elevating that and, and the profile up. And there's an argument to be made women's tennis is just as popular as men's tennis from a spectator standpoint. Well, and if you um, went if you went to the mall and asked someone to name five golfers, they'd name five male golfers, and if you asked them to name five tennis players, they'd probably name one or two at least women's tennis players. Serena is going to be on everyone's list. <laughs> everyone's list. 100%. Yeah. Um, just real quick, three million for first. You know how much you make for making the round of sixteen in the U.S. Tennis Open? Just, just <laughs> that's that's a round before the quarterfinals. No idea. Quarter mil. That's nice. <laughs> I should have played tennis, baby. There's a lot of money in that racket. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, do you have some notes before we get to our picks of the U.S. Women's Open? Uh, a couple notes. Um, I have a COVID tax section. Um, Michelle Wee, uh, the 2014 champion, is not making the trip. She's got a young daughter. Didn't feel safe traveling. Um, and, and oddly enough, real quick on Michelle, we, we talked about playing at the same venue. The only time the U.S. Open was played at the same venue was won by Michelle Wee. Nick, <laughs> you told me not to put you in the spot. I'm about to oh, do it. Pinehurst, Trivia baby. Qu- Trivia question. Who was the men's winner at Pinehurst? <sighs> He's German. 14. Oh, was that Martin Keimer? Yeah, baby. All right. <laughs> me and my brother and dad made the trip. Watched on Sunday. That fool won by seven shots. It was boring as hell. <laughs> Congratulations to Martin. Poor, poor thing, Joe. Man, that that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Touche. Sorry, your notes uh, continue. Paula Kramer, 2010 champion, not making the not not playing this year, and it's the final year of her 10 year exemption. And um, I believe that's COVID related. Not 100 percent sure, um, but kind of a tough way to go out. Let me ask you this. Do you think that's a fair exemption? I always feel like the U.S. Open exemption is the worst exemption there is, man. Ten years goes by quick. (laughs) Tell me about it. It goes by real quick. I mean, David Duvall, David Duvall is in the broadcast booth, and that dude gets to play in the British Open every year until he is 65. And he does, and I would too. Ten years isn't enough. Not fair. Not nearly enough. If you want to say it's the hardest one to win, then then give him a little something for winning it. Yeah, exactly right, dude. Um, so I think you and I both had the same note on oh, Lexi yeah. Thompson, which the the one thing, if you want to compare something from the PGA to the LPGA tour, the the ages of, of the players just never ceases to boggle my mind. Lexi Thompson has been playing in the U.S. Open every year since she was 12, has not missed one since she was 12. If you told me, like, guess Lexi Thompson's age just on how long I've been hearing her name amongst the – I would say she's easily in her 30s. She's only 25, Joe. 
Lexi Amazing. Thompson is only 25. Uh, so she's going to have the fourth longest active streak of U.S. Women's Opens at just the age of 25. That is crazy. It's, it's crazy. Insane. I mean, and she held she, – she, she won an LPG tour event at 16. <laughs> That's – I know. It's crazy. I, I saw some these pictures of her playing in it with, with braces and just just looked like plucked right out of middle school and put on the uh, first tee of the U.S. Open. Yeah, and she let's never, make, never let's won make won no one. mistake about it. Lexi Thompson was blasting it by me at age 12. Like, oh. she, she definitely grew young and could hit the ball a mile even then. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why she was in the field. Her best finish is a tie for second. She has four top tens, and she has never won. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lexi is uh, – I think Rory is a fair comparison, even though Rory has won more than Lexi has and, 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 and won more prestigious events. It's all their putting. I mean, their ball striking is incredible. They both hit the ball a mile, and when they're making putts, they're pretty impossible to beat, and Lexi hasn't done that for a few years, which, you know, again – She's 25. She's got time. Right. And I'm going to talk about somebody coming up who also, you, you've been hearing her name for a very, very long time, and she's probably much younger than you think. We have the same dark horse. I just know it. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, I'll go first then. Nick, okay. are you ready to get to our picks? I am. Let's get into our picks. Okay. My dark horse is a former number one player in the world. Mm. The youngest ever winner of an LPG Tour event. Do we have the same one? For sure. <laughs> she supplanted Lexi Thompson's record. Lexi was 16. This young lady was 15. 15 is the number of PGA Tour events she has won. After ascending to number one in the world at age 17 and winning a major, Nick, there was a bit of a swoon. Burned through caddies. Burned through coaches. Oh, but the renaissance is coming. Back-to-back top tens. Number 40 in the world, Lydia Ko is my dark horse to win the U.S. Women's Open. This is more with my heart than my head, but every time I see her on a leaderboard or every time I see her, like, shoot a 67, I'm like, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Speaking of comparison, the women's to men's game, she's Jordan Spieth. I don't know if if I'd be that hard on her. Um, (laughs) Really? You don't think it's a fair comparison? No, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Well... Who's it? Okay, wait. She's she's twenty three years old. Who's it unfair so to? It, it's unfair to her. I think I I would rather have her. I'd rather have her game than than Jordan Spieth right now. Same. I Same. think I think picking Lydia Ko to win the U.S. Women's Open is a much more realistic pick than picking Jordan Spieth to win the, the John Deere Classic. Um, she's got top tens in three of her last five starts. I think you mentioned that. Where where did I she, I think she's got four top tens since the restart. So yeah, she's, she's been playing so, well. She has been playing well. And um two time major champ. The majors this year, sixth in the ANA, fourteenth in the PGA, eighteenth in the British. So she's got three top twenties in majors this year, including a top ten. No reason to believe that she will not contend in next week's US Women's Open. Now Usually Nick and I give out the odds of these golfers. We are recording this on the Saturday prior to the start of the event. For some reason, those odds have not come out yet, which I find peculiar. Well, you know what I think is? They're probably waiting to listen to this podcast before they can publish the official odds. That's where the money's going to move. That's right. 
Yeah, but I mean, look, Lydia Ko, her odds are probably going to be slightly inf- inflated just because she's a name. But she is 40th in the world, and you're probably going to get her, I would imagine, around, you know, that 28 to 35 to 1 number, which, look, if you got 20 bucks and some time to kill on the weekend, that's 20 bucks to entertainment. You could get a good return on it. So just to be clear, Nick and I are both picking Lydia Ko as our dark horse to win the U.S. Women's Open. I'm gonna go first on my contender just to just just so just I in case of the same in, just in case you picked her too. Yeah. Uh, this player is the only one on my list who is not already a major champion, but she has been very close, Joe. Top tens in four of the last five majors. It's Nelly Corda. Um, is it? Is this your contender? It's not. Okay, that that's good. That's good. She is resting a sore back right now. She hasn't played in the last few weeks, and hopefully she's healthy enough to play she's next 22. week. 22. Anytime somebody rests a, a sore back, like like an injury that you could kind of just say, ah, sore back, you know, before a major, I feel pretty good about it. I'm not, yeah, again, I'm not too concerned. This isn't 60-year-old Fred Couples nursing a sore back. This is 22-year-old Nelly Corda. So I feel I'm on the same wavelength. If I saw that too, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it either. No, not, not concerned. Going back to it being on two courses, it could be extra time for her to prepare. Maybe she's not playing, but she certainly is probably doing some course scouting, some layout, some some game planning, some prep that way. Um, so that could help. She's definitely ready to win her first major. She's number three in the world. Her best major finish was this year, the ANA Inspiration. She finished T2. She was in a three-way playoff to win her first major. Didn't quite get it done, but she's knocking on the door. And you know I always love to pick players who have come desperately close to winning. They've been there. They've been there. They're right there. There's nothing else to be afraid of. Then they just knock the door down. So my contender, Nelly Corda. My contender was almost my winner. I feel real good about Mm. this gal. She is a 20-time, 20-time LPGA Tour winner. How about seven majors? That do anything for you? Finished solo second at the women's PGA. Number five in the world. The one, the only. In. B. Park. Is that a, Can I do number five in the world for my contender? You're number three in the world, so what the hell? I can do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean look. That's my, that, that's, that's my winner right there. <laughs> I, I can't believe we... I almost thought about comparing these before, but I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to ruin anything, but maybe I should have. Look, all we're all we're doing is just displaying the fact of how rock solid these picks are. It's true. That's, is that that's what we're true. doing? So wait a minute. Do you have any more? So NB Park is your winner. NB Park is my winner. Um, and I will just say I made this pick before this week's tournament. She's playing lights out this week. Maybe she's peaking too soon. I hope not. But um, she's she's so experienced. She's so good. And you know what I love the most about her game, and I. I always fall into this, but she's a great putter, and I love great putters at major championships, especially the U.S. Open, baby. Yeah, absolutely. She she can roll it. She can roll in some long ones. I mean, who's to stop her? I mean, I got a part of the reason I wanted to see the odds was this podcast. Part of the reason I wanted to see the odds because I I saw how Envy was playing today, and I really wanted to get some money in before <laughs> before the the books realized it, but I was unable to do so. Mm. Okay, so to recap, Nick. Your dark horse is Lydia Ko. Your contender is Nelly Corda. Your winner is NB Park. That's right. Okay, so I'm going to reveal my winner now. Hold on. I, I have one oh, more note on NB Park before please. we move on. 
her resume in majors in 2020. Oh, give it to me. Fourth at the Women's Open, the British. Second at the Women's PGA, 37th at the ANA. She already has two top fives in majors this year. What more needs to be said? She also has an Olympic gold medal. Boom. That's not a bad resume. (laughs) No. Okay. The winner of the U.S. Women's Open. She's a three-time PGA Tour winner. Her recent form is impressive. A T3, a T2, a fifth. She did withdraw from the PGA, but I don't care about that. Number three in the world, Jessica's sister, Nellie Corda. That's my contender. I know. So, Nick... What? We've officially oh my have God. the same three golfers. All this means is, is if one of these three hit, how good do we look? How good do we look? I'm dying I to thought, see the odds of these three. I ladies. thought there was no way we would have overlap. I thought the only one we were going to overlap is Lydia Ko, because she's the most obvious dark horse, given her past resume. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised neither one of us went Danielle Kang. I'm a little surprised neither one of us picked Lexi. But these are the three. These are the three. I mean, it doesn't get more uh, fan favorite than that. I I, I I just can't believe I can't believe we did that. This this is the last time our picks are surprised. You you seem legitimately upset at this. I, I'm, I I'm am. Very pleased I am. No, I mean I don't know. Well. I, I just want to bring in a couple notes on the defending champ, Junyin Lee Six, because we haven't touched on her. No, and please, yeah. She is the defending champ, and I have some notes on her. And since we only picked three players out of our six picks, we might as well spread the love a little bit. <laughs> yeah, more. talk about the field. Yeah, so she hasn't played much on the LPGA Tour since February, since that shutdown, but she did return at the Pelican um, last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago, I can't remember. Rounds of 73, 69, 77. 66 so maybe a little bit of rust there a couple rounds in the 70s but a couple couple rounds in the 60s she finished with a 66 you know maybe she's found something she's clearly got the game certainly could be a factor um she started to put some rounds together so somebody else to look out for there um like i said hasn't played too much since the restart but um defending champ yeah i gotta mention the top two players in the world um from South Korea, Jin Young-ko and Si Young-kim. Those are your favorites coming into the event. Below that, you got Nelly, our girl, who we talked about at number three, Danielle Kang at four, India at five, and then Brooke Henderson at six, who is consistent um, as hell. And, and I, I mean, really, Nick, it, I feel, I don't feel upset about what happened on this podcast. I feel good about it. Now, okay. if these picks turn out to be terrible, then perhaps we reevaluate how we I mean, pick if they majors. go if they go one two three then we're <laughs> we're gold. If we go one two three, I'm going to send this to whoever runs the golf channel. <laughs> <laughs> so here, where where are we at on majors? We're one for three, right? Because you got Morikawa in the PGA. We missed the U.S. Open and the Masters, right? How do how do we not pick Bryson at the U.S. Open? <laughs> how do we not pick Dustin Johnson? Yeah, that that's, that's pretty bad too. <laughs> I mean, Morikawa was the hard one out of those three, right? I mean, the other yeah. two are the most talked about golfers in the PGA Tour this season. So anyway, we'll see if we can come through on the LPGA. Um, Nick, I plan to throw some real hard American cash on all three of these ladies. I'm feeling great about this. 
Good for you, Joe. It's not that's not quite legal in my state yet, but I'll live vicariously no. through 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 your dollars. And look, you got a you got a kid on the way. You gotta you gotta worry about more things than just throwing it away on LPGA tour golfers. I I completely understand. Yeah, well, I mean, with with the confidence that we've brought here, I don't know if I'd call it throwing it away. But now, look, if you do want to spend your cash on something that is a guarantee, that's PrecisionProGolf.com, Nick. I mean, I know. We've all closed up shop for the golf season. By the way, what did your handicap finish at? I finished at a smooth seven. I went up a stroke and a half. <laughs> I played this a stroke and a half. Damn. This is the most I played since the summer where we played probably 75 times. My handicap went up a stroke and a half. That sucks. No, I, I finished at 20.5. My goal was to get it down to 18. And I had about six weeks where I was at 19.2. And I just needed like one round of like in like 188 from. And I just, I just completely unraveled. Never, never could get it done. It just, it was so disappointing. I think I technically went down like a stroke because I started at like twenty-one and twenty-two, but it was certainly not something I'm proud of. Well, obviously, Nick next and year I are is not the using... year. I know, I know, bro. I mean, next year is the year because of Precision Pro Golf. Get your range finders if you're looking for that Christmas gift, that Hanukkah gift for a loved one. Please go to PrecisionProGolf.com. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout. Nick, it's the holidays. Don't they get more money off because it's the holidays? I thought that was a thing. Well, no matter what the price is, you're going to save $10 with TURN10. Boom. TURN10 at checkout. PrecisionProGolf.com. Now, Nick, I know you probably can't commit to any podcast going forward at this point. It's sort of a wait-and-see situation, is it not? Uh, I think Ashley and I are both going to be home for a while, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Sure, but the conclusion of the U.S. Women's Open may coincide with a big event in both your lives. Yeah, no, I I certainly can't commit specifically to that, no. Yeah, maybe once we get into January, things calm down a little bit. We talk about the Tiger Dock, the Hawaii Swing, things of this nature. That's probably looking more realistic. Yeah, definitely, and I do love the Hawaii Swing. And I can't rule out a U.S. Open recap pod. We'll just have to see. We're going to have to wait and see. And certainly, if they finish one, two, and three, you're going to have to tell Ash, hold on. We got we to gloat on, the, on this podcast for a little bit. Uh, that absolutely. was a lot of fun. I hope Lydia Ko, Envy Park, and Nelly Corder do very, very well. Nick, don't be too upset about this, okay? okay. Don't be I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. I'll get over it's it. going to be fine. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. As always, I have nothing left to say, Nick. This was our best U.S. Women's Open preview until next year. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.